Thanks, Melia. Hello, everyone. I'm Jason, alcoholic, dipsomaniac, whatever. Um, yeah, by me, my heart's racing, so <laughs> bear with me. It's only my second ever share. I've been putting this off for months with Mark. <laughs> it's been very patient, but I'm glad he sprung this on me last minute. So uh, it's time to worry about it. So I guess I'll do a sort of a hodgepodge chronology and then sort of jump in randomly with whatever I've forgotten. Um, yeah, probably first started, first drink, I don't know, yeah, first drink, I suppose, must have been like about age, maybe age six or seven. My dad gave me sips of brandy and baby sham and had the car and stuff and, you know, familiar thing kind of tasted disgusting at first but then I don't know slowly grows on you doesn't it um then I suppose about 11 12 there was some sleeping out in tents in back gardens and drinks cabinets raided and uh yeah varying varying results I remember one time first time got drunk and giggly I think the second time I blacked out and was told the next day that I was constantly getting up to go to the toilet. And I was thinking, that's strange. I don't remember that. I don't know if I believe these stories, you know. Me, causing problems. Um, and I think the third time I got really, really ill. I'm like really ill. Because I remember the first and second times, I, I kind of liked it. But I was like, I want to see, you know, I want to get properly drunk this time. And so, yeah, I did drink way too much sweet Thunderbird wine. And, uh, yeah, I've still, you know, even during my drinking days, it was something I would never go back to. Um, yeah, very ill. And I remember lying there thinking, oh, God, I've really got to figure this out. You know, if I'm going to be a proper adult, I've really got to figure out how to do this properly, you know, which I... It seems to be a very familiar story in the rooms, trying to figure out how to do it properly, you know, hence a lifetime of misadventures. And, um, yeah, definitely felt that way in the pub. Like, uh, it's very much that kind of divided self of wanting to be drunk, but wanting to hold it together at the same time. And, uh, you know, all the fear the next day of, you know... I had some great times, but I had some really bad times and real mortified times, you know, waiting for the phone to, to ring and hear about that hour or two that I'd lost and, you know, whether it was a fun time or a bad time. But usually when I woke up, I had a vague sense of uh, which of the two or which kind of nuances between kind of, uh, <clears throat> yeah, how, how it was going to be reported back. Um. I remember always trying to control my drinking. I was, uh, for mo most of my drinking, I was, uh, I suppose, weekend binge drinker. I was always very mindful of uh, the potential for addiction. My, my kind of awareness of my own addiction fluctuated. You know, it fluctuated between denial sort of acceptance you know sort of fearful acceptance joking acceptance um and all the shades in between um 
Yeah, I, I always tried very hard not to drink Monday to Friday. Um, university, I suppose, I, I tried daily drinking with not much success. But definitely when I had a job after graduating, I was like, I've got to try and try and do this. But there was always been beer adverts coming on the telly and I was just aware of how, how triggering that was for me. And uh, But I was fairly successful at staying off it until I got really into my... Uh, um into my sort of 30s i suppose late 20s 30s and um it always been a lot of interest in drugs as well i mean i really preferred drugs to alcohol alcohol was just you know just there and easy available and so a lot of my friends were quite sniffy about drugs um not the kind of sniffy i would have liked but um um yeah i mean I mean, drugs, I mean, marijuana never really agreed with me. And I learned, learned that from a very early age, despite, despite trying very hard, you know, to make marijuana work. It just didn't. So, I mean, speed was my first love affair. I absolutely loved that. Then Coke, you know, MDMA, ketamine, you know, most of the, most of them, I suppose, short of, short of smack and crack, really. But, um, yeah, I did love the drugs, but I, was, I suppose I was, you know, at the time I was resentful that um, that more of my friends weren't into the wonders of drugs. And uh, in retrospect, I'm, you know, very grateful now that they weren't because, uh, um, yeah. So fast forward to 2011, I was uh, I'd been on and off of antidepressants for years. Um, I remember coming off of antidepressants for SSRIs just so that I could uh, get back into using ecstasy properly, you know, without um, getting borderline serotonin syndrome and blacking out for several hours and just not really being able to enjoy it. Um, yeah, 2011, there was this, uh, <laughs> it was called in the UK press, meow, meow, um, methyl methcathinone or MCATS as it was known, which was, uh, so-called designer drug um, felt very much like MDMA, but it was far more toxic, really. Very, I mean, MDMA is not great for the heart, but this stuff is, yeah. And uh, I, I got really in, into that, and it was just before the ban. I was ordering, like, I suppose, ten grand bags of it in the post, direct from China. You know, sort of pretty much almost hundred percent pure and. Um, yeah, by the end of that run, it was it was like it was every weekend. Drugs had always been kind of once in a while, you know. But this was like now there was a unavailable, you know, just a completely available great source for it. I was, uh, yeah, I was. It was every weekend, and I really saw the potential for that getting out of hand. And uh, the ban came, and I probably just in time, really. And I, I put the drugs down, and I. Um, I also tried at that time, I thought, right, I'll put the drugs down and maybe plow on with a drink. But before I did that, I had six weeks where I stayed off of alcohol entirely. And at the end of that six weeks, I was just like, fuck this. I just, sobriety, just, it's not worth it. I'm just going to plow on with the drink and try and avoid drugs. And uh, that's what I did for the next five years. And uh, by 2017, I was, yeah, I'd really hit... Uh, what I thought was my bottom um, before the bottom fell out of that. And then things got even worse and got in trouble with the police. And it was, 
yeah, it was just really, really bad. So um, Hillingdon Drug and Alcohol Services had uh, said my um, my second key, the first key worker was a nightmare, but um, the second key worker, she was great, and she just kept gently mithering me, saying, you've, you've got to go to AA, get your shit sorted out, and I had all the usual reservations about going didn't want to go didn't want to do the god thing and uh i don't know probably had <laughs> you know the usual egomaniac with the insecurity complex you know i just didn't that's not for me you know and i had actually been uh, to a couple of meetings um in 2011 when i tried that six week period of sobriety i've been to two meetings and i just saw the scrolls on the wall and uh didn't really hear much that i related to in the shares and i just thought well fuck this it's not for me i'm gonna play one with a drink so then 2017 i went to i think i went to a, a couple of meetings had a slightly slightly better experience of it but it still wasn't really clicking i was going to meetings going to the pub straight after but then i went to i think like maybe my third meeting of 2017 i went to um what became my home group uh traditional group in west london in northfields and um the woman that was sharing she just she just told my story the, the whole lot it was just i was just like ah okay looks like i'm probably in the right right place the whole yeah the whole the whole thing the yeah it just it, it, yeah it was um a real eye-opener and so I carried on going going to that that meeting and it was it was it was really good for me for the first year or two but then um someone in a meeting um not this not in a Tuznua meeting but in another meeting described the um fake it till you make it kind of um trying to get your head around the higher power thing when you don't really believe it he described it as orwellian double double think i just thought that's brilliant because that's what i was that's the that's what i was trying to suck up and i was just just got to a stage where again i was coming out of meetings and going straight to the pub you know and relapsing quite quite regularly i'd managed like five and a half months that was about the longest i'd managed and then invariably it would be anything from uh, around three or four months and then I'd relapse and I was just on that and just was was getting more and more jaded with traditional. And then, um, yeah, the Zoomiverse opened up. You know, I'd, I, knew, I knew that there were meetings, um, secular meetings in East London where I used to live. <laughs> Um, before I got priced out and uh, moved back here. Um, so I knew there were meetings there, but the thought of spending like three and a half hours on the tube there and back just negated any benefit that the meeting might have given me. So I never got around to going. But then, you know, COVID happened and, um, you know, um, one of the unexpected benefits of of all that horribleness was um yeah all this all this world of uh, meetings opening up online so um yeah still yeah still got some great great home groups in in london and obviously in tasnua which is um 
just Tuznil has just taken it to the next level for me because I'd, I'd had some pretty raw open shares on on Zoom, but I mean it's um, yeah, it's really good. It, it's really gone to a different level. Uh, uh, I mean, if I've if I've got something that's really bothering me, then you know some of you will probably have heard me do some really toxic and just quite vile shares really um you know kind of thoughts that i kind of thought that i i would i couldn't have imagined you know saying those kind of things in um in a traditional meeting and uh but i don't know tasnua has has really opened up a, a space of where I, where i'm really you know tormented by whatever's going on in my head then i can i can i can say that and i won't you know, won't necessarily be excommunicated for it. So, um, yeah, that's been really, yeah, incredible. Um, yeah, I feel a bit emotional. <laughs> uh, I'll take a few deep breaths. Not a drink. I might have a look at my notes, which I um, I failed. My printer wouldn't work. Hang on a second. Yeah, so, oh, I don't know. My mind's gone a bit blank now, but um, should, should, we leave, should we leave it at that? I've been talking for 15 minutes. I think, I mean, generally in, in secular, I'm, I'm going to feel like I've... Um, I feel like I'm hanging out with the adults now. I, in traditional, I just did not. And uh, apologies to, to people. I mean, my sponsor's still a traditional guy and he's lovely. And I would definitely class him as an adult. But um, as a broad, as a broad generalization, I just feel like I'm in the right place now. I mean, really, really intelligent people, funny people, creative people. Um, yeah, it's just all, yeah, they're all here. And, um, yeah, I'm very, very grateful to be here with them. And, uh, yeah, there were some other things I could slip in, but I think I'll just leave it there. Yeah, I'm just very grateful to be here. So, yeah, thanks for asking me. <laughs>